0: what is up you are listening to the all Pacers pod a podcast for Pacer fans by Pacer fans I'm your host and today I'm joined by Tyler my brother Tyler how's it going good how you doing today good um I'm excited for this episode because we have Indiana legend Indiana basketball legend Shelvin Mack who played at Butler University for two years or for three years was on two national championship run teams they fell short both years but an incredible story from a I guess, mid-major school at the time. And Tyler, you're actually at Butler University, so I asked you to join me today because you know more about Butler hoops at this point than I do. But um, what are your thoughts? I mean, when I gave you the call that we're interviewing Shelvin Mack, what were you thinking?
1: Look, I was thinking, who are the two coolest Butler players to interview? And it's Gordon Hayward and Shelvin Mack. I mean, let's be honest. He's a legend at Butler. And I mean, he's the reason they're in the Big East. He put him on the map with Gordon Hayward. I mean... You couldn't ask for a better guy to come on and join us.
0: Yeah, so we're excited. Uh, We actually did just interview current Butler player, Miles Tate. You can find that. It was posted um, early in the week on All Indie Sports Network of Podcasts, which is what you're listening right now to, but it's the Blue Buds Hoops Hoops podcast. I always forget the S. But yeah, Blue Buds Hoops podcast. You can find it there. Um, That was an awesome interview. You tagged along for that one as well. You, you can't miss out on the Butler Hoops. No,
1: I mean, I have to join the Butler people. Uh, Miles Tate was awesome. He was, seriously, if you're a college basketball fan now, and you just want to hear somebody give, uh, you know, personal experience from a big school in basketball, Miles Tate's the guy to listen to. He was awesome.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, this is the Shelvin Mack episode. I mean, this is one of our biggest guests we've had yet, especially being a Indiana basketball podcast. So... Let's just get into it. So without further ado, here's Shelvin Mack. All right. So we got Shelvin Mack here, former Butler University guard, eight-year career in the NBA. We're from Indiana. We got to experience your um, national championship runs, which we're going to get into. And we're just excited that you took this time to join us for this episode of the All Pacers Pod. Shelvin, how's it going?
2: And it's going great right now. Summertime, getting enjoying some NBA playoffs. You know, we've seen some great games, some great series over the, over the past few weeks. No, you know, ain't to see if Coach Stevens can get it done. Up in Boston, you know, being the president right now. But it's just been great. I had a terrific year this year. I was able to work with CBS, so I got to stay in touch with college basketball a lot, work the Final Four. So overall, man, I, I, I
0: can't complain. Any talk with Brad Stevens about joining that uh, staff potentially?
2: No, no, it's no, nothing's in the work as of now. No. I kind of like what I'm doing. I, I think he works a lot. Uh, works too much for me right now. No. I've been working my whole life. You know, kind of going to that phase of, of being retired. You know, want to take a few years to kind of enjoy myself. You know, get the itch and get and get it back going again.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he owes you uh, a lot for his career. So I mean, maybe <laughs> one day. I think so too. I let him know that a
1: lot too.
0: <laughs> Cool. Well, let's just get started with your early beginnings in basketball. You're from Lexington, Kentucky. We're actually based just north of Louisville, Kentucky, about five minutes away. So we're familiar with that you know, area, Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky basketball. I mean, people live and breathe basketball where you're from. What was it like trying to stand out early on? And then who were some of your early inspirations? So
2: I grown up in Lexington, Kentucky. You know, everyone knows about UK. Big Blue Nation, and you know, that was one of my dream schools I wanted to go to, you know, um, growing up there. that yeah, Tubby Smith was the coach, he left, Rick Bettino. and I had some great coaches there at the time, and, but then Billy Gillespie came came along, I don't know if y'all know too much about Billy Gillespie, that was uh, somewhere I didn't want to play for, it. and, and you, you might know why. So um, I signed up at Butler, but early on. No, this being in Kentucky, is this all basketball. It's the, the Big Blue Nation for a reason. There's no professional sports teams in Kentucky. You know, in Indiana, you, know, you have the Pacers, Coats. Our sports teams is basketball teams, either Louisville basketball or UK basketball. So I picked it up early on the playground. There's one thing you could do by yourself. You didn't need a group of guys to, to work on your game or do anything. So I picked it up. I loved it. I lived in California for a little bit, so I got to see the Lakers when they were really special in 2000, 2003 and early Shaq and Kobe. So I just fell in love with the game.
1: Yeah, um, you know, going off that decision to choose Butler, uh, what were some of the other schools that recruited you or some other schools you considered going into that? And what made you choose Butler in the end?
2: So early on, I had a, a lot of mid-majors. Uh, I committed early to Butler, but I couldn't sign until April. But throughout that process, I had a few SEC schools. But overall, I just like the feel at Butler. I needed to go somewhere where it was small for me, academically. Having 20 kids in a, in a classroom is pretty, Is like what I can stand at. I couldn't imagine going to school with two or 300 people in there. I, like, I know I would not be paying attention. And, then, and then I needed that one on one attention as far as the classroom part. Then also, this, you no, know, Coach Stevens, unbelievable, down earth guy, you know, kind of gave me my expectations. Um, what met my expectations is what I expected. And like I expected to come in and compete and have an opportunity to play. You know, usually, when you go to school, it's a senior or junior, you got to, you know, work your way in. But at that time, A.J. Graves and Mike Green had just graduated. So it's an opportunity to come in and and play right away and compete. And I just felt it was the right situation for me.
0: Yeah, and you were a freshman with Gordon Hayward, Ronald Norid. The three of you set the um, Butler record for most games started as freshmen. You all uh, started 32 games. So you were a young team early on. I'm sure that impacted your decision with Butler too, you know, potentially having that opportunity to play a major role. Yeah,
2: definitely coming in. We also, there was six of us in, the, in, the, in our freshman class. We had um, Zach, not Zach, huh? Chase golf, Garrett Butcher and Emerson Camping as well. You know, we all remain close to this day, but it was something you can build like a brotherhood. You know, like I said, we still talk. We all have kids. We're in a group message. So that's something that I wanted when I decided to pick up a school. You know, me and Ron are our best friends. I was in his, I was in his wedding. So we had that relationship, and that's something that I, I think I pride myself on is you know, just building relationships and what's a better way not to do it and and have an opportunity to play basketball, too.
0: Early on, I mean, did you know this team had something special, or what were your expectations that first year?
2: First year, I had no expectations. You know, when you get to school, everybody's like, it's going to be different, this, 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 and that. So I had no idea. But I think our freshman year, we ended up winning – Twenty games in a row. I want to say either that or a second year. I can't. I can't remember. But no, first we we're just grinding out. We got to the tournament and we ended up losing the LSU. But then that summer, me and Gordon went to USA Basketball, and we got an opportunity to play against everyone from the Power Five conferences. Um, uh, you no know, guys that go to Duke, Kentucky. You no, know, isn't Horizon League back then was now Butler plays in the Big East, so it's, it's a little challenge. It's a little different. So when we did the USA Basketball, I was able to get confidence, and we could see. Say Evan Turner, Ohio State, No Player of the Year, and we can compete with him every single day. I got us confidence, and we knew we had something special. You know, going back to the second year when we all had our chemistry, and basically the whole team uh, came back. No one graduated, so we had Willie Beasley back. You no know, Matt Howard, uh, Avery Jukes. It was, it was basically the same team for two years in a row.
1: Coming from you know not a Power Five, not the Big East, you're coming from the Horizon League, which is you know not generally a place where these national contenders end up from um you guys went 18 and 0 in that 2009 2010 season 33 and 5 overall you know did you know like hey this team is we can really make a run what was the thought going into the tournament that year
2: when you plan you actually never like understand what you're doing because you're just focusing on the game next play and it's continue to get better um i think it finally set into us when we was after we played kansas state to go to the final four I and mean, we flying back home like we actually did something crazy and amazing but throughout that process, when you plan, you don't realize how impactful you are for the city of Indianapolis, for your classmates, what it, what it can do potentially for job opportunities. This is a, a big thing. But we always felt confident of planning. Also, that year doesn't get talked about a lot. We took our foreign trip to Italy. So we got to spend an extra 15 days together. You know, in the summer, everyone goes home, extra 15 days together you know, in a foreign country. You no, you don't know anyone, so you got to get to know your teammates a lot better. I think that translated a lot was the to win games.
0: Let's talk about that tournament run, too. I kind of want to run through these games. I don't know if you can remember these fully. So let's just kind of run through that. So the first round, you played UTEP, who had two future NBA players on that roster. Um, Arnett Moultrie, I believe, and then...
2: Yeah, I played with Arnett, and then Derek C- Character.
0: Yeah, Derek Character, yeah. And then Julian Stone, actually. So they had three future NBA players. You guys just ran through them. You're still a young team at this point, too. So, I mean, at that point, I'm sure in your head, you're like, man, we might, like, have something here.
2: Yeah, and I want to say, it was, I think I hit, like, seven threes that game. I want to say. I, I got close to setting a record.
0: I'm looking at it right now. Let's see. You had 25 points yeah. and seven for nine from three.
2: Yeah, so it was one of those games, you know, got going, got the juices flowing. No, you know, it felt great uh, offensively. But, no, you know, we, we're a team built on defense. You know, we always pride ourselves on defense and – we understand throughout the tournament that we keep the game close. We've been in so many games we can win win it when it's a two point game with forty with four minutes left. Like we love that situation scenario when you're going against the, the, the schools that have bigger and better players. You just want to give yourself a chance at the end.
0: Yeah, and then the next game you ended up playing, Murray State, um, from Kentucky. Yep. You guys that was you slugged that one out. You won by two points. They had Isaiah Cannon off the bench too. Can you kind of talk about that game?
2: Yeah, Isaiah, I know Isaiah. Ron, now we kind of, we're good friends. I guess kind of we're good friends now. But the game, all I remember most is the last possession of the game. Isaiah didn't want to pass the ball. and uh, He finally decided to pass it at the end. Gordon got a deflection and uh, the ball was rolling. And the backcourt's time expired and was able to advance to the uh, Sweet 16. That's the, that's the only thing I remember. And Ron making a crazy layup, like twisted his ankle, I think his, his foot came out of his shoe. Like a big-time play.
0: So you said you made it to the sweet, the sweet 16. You were up against the number one seed, Syracuse Orange, who had Wes Johnson, Chris Joseph, Brandon Trish, Scoop Jardine. I mean, this roster's loaded. You guys won this one 63-59.
2: Yeah, kind of the same thing. Kept it close. You know, uh, Syracuse wanted to kind of score some points. You know, they're going to play the 2-3 zone. I think I, sh- I was horrible with that game. might have been 5-for-20 uh what no just kept shooting um i think i made a big shot at the end just having confidence in the you know everyone believing me but it was a, it was a big time went for us. i think also their best player was hurt as well the big
0: the big man on on you yep he was hurt on a reason i haven't heard that name in so long yeah i forgot about him yeah. Well, that helps for sure. <laughs> so then the next game, I mean, you're still on this run. You beat Syracuse you move on to K-State, Kansas State. You kind of run through them. Let's just go past that game. That was a lead eight. Then you meet Michigan State in the final four. Won that one 52 to 50. Draymond Green's off the bench in that one. Kind so that of- game's
2: actually a blur to me. I literally cannot remember anything from the game. besides so <laughs> so I was getting a win. Only thing that sticks out to me about that, I had food poisoning the night before. I, I know okay. that.
0: Well, that, I mean, that could be why it's a blur for you. You had 14 points, <laughs> five for nine from the field. Weber Grill downtown, any last. That's, that's why I got my food poisoning. Weber Grill, okay. I'm,
1: I'm going to keep that in mind, uh,
0: <laughs> being around there. I was throwing up all night. I, I, I definitely don't remember that game at all. And you led your team in scoring after that. <laughs> oh, no, you were second in scoring. But, I mean, hey, that's that's your food poisoning game. Yeah. That's what's up. So, then the next like – Game seven, flu game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The next game is the national championship game. I know everybody's seen this final clip where Gordon Hayward takes the half court shot that bounced in, I think it went in the, the net, and then for some reason, I don't know if there's a ghost or something pushing <laughs> it out, but you guys end up losing that one in a heartbreak.
2: So the first thing with that game, I don't know if a lot of people know, the game starts at nine o'clock at night. So, Coach Stevens, being who he is, everyone went to class on Monday. That was the first thing that happened. Uh, the Game so late, you have all day. You need to do something. So everyone went to went to class, especially being five miles away from campus downtown. So that was one thing. I think I got a, a lot to do while we lost. I don't think Duke was going to class or online taking any classes during that time. They were just focusing on the game. But you no, know, showing up to the game, first time playing in front of seventy eight thousand people. The only time I playing 78,000 people. That's the one great thing I love about the NCAA tournament is that playing on a football field with 80,000 people is something I would never forget. You know, you can't do it in the NBA. They don't do it in the Olympics. It's just something that's special with that. And then also being in, in, in being in Indianapolis. You know, the whole state got behind us. We had Purdue fans, IU fans. Does everyone want to see us, uh, see us win? I don't know if it's because it was us or because it was Duke. You, you know, it could go either way. <laughs> But overall, that game was uh, it was fun. I watch it from time to time now. It comes on TV a lot. And um, I'm glad Gordon took the shot instead of me. The, the ball would have – he would have thought Peyton Manning was, was throwing a pass out there if I would have shot it. It would have went <laughs> all over the place. But I'm surprised he got it that close and shooting in that kind of um, stadium where you don't have a depth perception in the background. So it's an unbelievable shot.
0: So following that season, you guys all came back. Or I guess, did Gordon Hayward leave following that season? He did. Yeah, Gordon is like, I'm gone. Was like, I love y'all guys. I'll see y'all later. Without Gordon Hayward, you guys still made a run to the national championship game the next season. But like, following that first loss to Duke, what's it like You know, as a team coming together? You lose Gordon Hayward. I'm assuming you were already in a leadership role on this team, but now you're taking another step forward. You're probably the main voice of this locker room. Kind of walk us through that and what got your team back on course to be ready for the next season.
2: So with that, Gordon left, Willie left, Avery Juice left, if I can remember correctly. Those, those guys left. So we still had it was three players, two starters, you know, a key role player, both left. Then we had Andrew Smith come back. And we started our same team from, from the previous year. We just knew how to win. Whenever you can see guys who have experience in playing, it, it, takes, it, it takes you a long way. As you can see this year with the NCAA tournament, all the, all the teams in, a, in the Final Four besides Duke um, and our winning, our winning teams are older guys. It's not a whole bunch of young guys. But Duke got six first-round picks. That's kind of the reason why they're there. They're actually pretty good in basketball not young. So just having that confidence, everyone coming back, the situation. I know throughout that year we had a rough patch in the very beginning. He was able to, you know, keep, keep grinding, making things click. But a, a lot of stuff worked out for us in the tournament. Um, I think I might have the dumbest foul in NCAA history. Do y'all remember that?
0: No, walk us through it. It's against
2: Pittsburgh. Remember? So we're skipping, we're skipping some games before that, just so you know. But the Pittsburgh game, oh we won't go through the tournament again.
1: Yeah. This Pittsburgh game, it's the second round, right? Number one seed pit. But before yeah. that, the
2: ODU game, yes. Matt Howard made a game-winning layup at the buzzer, I want to yes. say. So, so it's a lot of things that go into us making it making a run. So Gordon Hay, we got the tip in off the Sean Van Zandt. Um missed shot. The second game, we were up by one with 10 seconds to go, and I went and fouled the dude at the, at the half court running him out of bounds. So he was able to shoot free throws. He made one. They missed the second one. The second one, it was only like 0. 0.7 seconds left. So the second one, he missed it instead of making it, and somehow the dude on 18 fouled Matt Howard and was able to make a free throw and win the game.
0: You still had 30 points that game, shot 58% from three. I mean, I was even looking, looking at your playoff stats in the NBA, which we'll talk about. Um, in a bit if we have enough time but uh, it seems like you're shooting from three at such a higher clip in these games that matter the most look you may have made that foul but still you put the team on your back in this one
2: um I forgot all about the 30 points that that would (laughs) have that would have ruined me I don't think I'd be in the NBA if, if he if even made that free throw.
0: So after that, uh, foul is what is Brad Stevens cussing you out on the sideline?
2: <laughs> not, at, not at all. That's the that's the one thing about him is they gonna, he gonna, he was like, oh, okay. Like he was, everyone was in shock. Like I couldn't say I couldn't even look at my teammates. I was like, I'm not gonna look at them. It was like, it's like this, it's absurd. Why would you do this? Like you don't do this, and it just happened happened that way.
0: Yeah, I've uh, definitely heard Brad Stevens is even keel. Um, and won't, won't cuss you out. He'll say, darn it. Stuff like that. (laughs) Next game. Yeah. We, we, we skipped a couple or at least old dominion. So you go up against Wisconsin and I'm a big Hoosier fan. I hate Wisconsin with a passion. So I know I was rooting for you guys in this one. You won this one 61 to 54. Um, and you finished with 13 points. This was maybe one of your worst games of the playoffs or this year, but your team responded in a great way.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I think the theme of it is we keep everyone around like 50 points, we always got a chance to win. And I think that's what we kept doing. Um, the other thing about having a great team, <laughs> you no, know, um I was part of the league score, me and Matt Howard. And people understand our team understand if we're missing, it's still a great shot, keep it going. You no, know, a lot of situations someone starts missing, is like, oh, he's off today. It's my turn to start shooting. And it kind of messes up chemistry. I think our team understood that, and it, and it helped us go a long way. I understand if we need a three, I'm going to swing it to Zach Hahn. If, if it's Ron there or Zach, I'm going to swing it to Zach, and Ron's going to be okay with it. <laughs> Nor, he's like, I understand why you're passing. I think that's what helped us continue to get these wins when they're low-scoring games.
0: No doubt. So the next game's Florida. You're playing against Chandler Parsons and the Gators. Um, you guys get through this one, 74-71. You put up 27 points in this one. I mean, you were just on an absolute terror in this tournament. It seemed like you guys were ready to at least, I mean, this was the final four. So you're at least ready to get to the final four for sure in this one. Um, And it's looking like you and Matt Howard combined are going to carry the team there. And I mean, at this point, it's almost manifesting to what inevitably happened, which was making that championship run. But what's it like playing the Gators? I know like you guys made the championship the year before, but it still seems like you guys are underdogs in all these games.
2: I think we might had a close to a losing record around that time as well. Uh, wasn't that good. But growing up in Kentucky, you know, Big Blue Nation, everyone hates Florida, the Gators. You know, Al Horford, those guys winning it. So it was, it was a great opportunity for me to go there um, and play against them. And it was in New Orleans, so that was another thing. Um, this, this, and I just enjoyed it. You know, at the end, I was able to get the, the Gator clap, it's like one my. Uh, I got a, a big picture in my office with me t- with the Bulldog eating the, eating the Gator. So, no, it was fun. I enjoyed the game. I, I think I get up for big games.
1: Yeah. And uh, now we'll, we go to the final four. Uh, you guys playing number 11 VCU. Uh, I believe that's probably Shaka Smart's yeah. team um, coming. So, both both underdogs, not not really. You know, that's the first time that you guys are probably supposed to, supposed to win a game, which is funny that it comes in the final four. But, uh, talk us through that game.
2: I know I, all I remember is VCU. You know, there was the big thing talking about their pressure. You know, Shaka Smart is all about full court ball pressure and like how we can handle that. But you no, know, we felt pretty good. You no, know, being there, we understand how to handle media day. So it's, it's a lot of stuff that goes into it that people don't understand, and we just prepared for it, taking pictures, doing the video, the graphics before it come on. So we was able to do that. So everything was like a breeze. It wasn't a wow moment to us, and I think that helped us a lot. No playing against another mid-major in VCU. I don't think they was kind of understand what it what it was and what it took and how to shoot on those goals, and that helped us out uh, big time in, in the tournament. Well, in the in the, in that final four game.
0: So then you make the final game after um, winning against VCU. You're playing UConn. Um, you're the only school in Indiana or only college in Indiana basketball history to make two straight NCAA finals appearances. That's including Indiana, Purdue, Notre Dame, you know, all those big schools. Butler did it, and you were on both those teams. But you're up against UConn. Their defense just locked you down. They had a deep enough roster where they could just throw players on you guys nonstop. What went wrong in this one? You guys ended up putting 41 points, and um, you had 13 of them. I
2: think we just, knowing you know, in basketball, you play long enough, you are just going to have some bad games. I think it was just one of the games that was just absolutely bad. It was bad on their side as well. And um, it just happened like that. Unfortunately, you don't win them all. I, I thought we was prepared. We did everything right. And it, and it just doesn't work out for you. But, like, as we seen the other day, the Phoenix Suns playing against the Dallas Mavericks. They had 27 points in the first half, like the first time in NBA modern history. And things, you know, playing long enough, sometimes it's just not going, going, your, going your way, going your favor. And uh-huh. I think he was destined for that year. It's the same year. Uh, when Kemba and the Big East, when they won six games in six nights. So they just just had the momentum and they was just rolling.
0: Talk about your time at Butler a little bit more. I mean, you're making the decision to go pro at this point. What kind of influenced that? How did Brad Stevens help you get to that point?
2: Yeah, so when I decided to go to the NBA, now you go, I'm a big believer, you go to college to get a job, right? So this is an opportunity. I had a job sitting there waiting for me. So, no, I jumped at it. But also... There wasn't too much more I could possibly do basketball-wise in college. Uh, you know, go to another Final Four championship game, I think would be very highly unlikely. So it was like, let me take, take my talents. Uh, you know, I went to school to get a job. They wore me, the iron's hot right now, strike. And uh, <clears throat> it was a tough decision because also the NBA was going until a lockout that year. So I knew I was gonna get drafted, but I was gonna sit around and not do anything for six months where I could be in school, uh, playing some games and, and different things. So that was the that was like the hardest thing about that. Do I want to go to the NBA and, and not do anything for six months, or continue to grind and continue to work? And I got some classes and, and and go that route.
0: You hire an agent. I'm guessing. What's that process like? And how are you uh, preparing for the draft? Are you hearing from teams? Um,
2: so the, uh, I got an agent. I, I met with a few few different people. Uh, I, lead, I leaned on Coach Stevens with that a lot. You know, he, he deals with that, you know, being a pro coach and being a head coach at, at college, you have an agent. I never had to deal with it. Then, um, I went to Chicago. That's why I stayed at and lived at. Throughout the pre-draft process, uh, so I can focus in, lock in. I didn't know anyone in Chicago, so all I did was just go to the gym and work out every day, work on my body, making sure I'm 100% healthy. When well, it's traveling, you know, you get a lot of different feedback with the draft. A lot of people talk about all you hear is the stuff you can't do. When you go to different teams, it's never like you good at this. It's like everything you can't do, why should we get you? So it, it that was a different transition for me. Uh, understanding that, you know, being on TV, everyone saying how great you are at Bulletin, you go through this next step it's like you, you're you're not good at anything. <laughs> so that was a little different. Um, draft night got drafted by the Wizards. Um, rookie year, played there. We didn't get to start until December. We started on Christmas Day because of the lockout. So that was different. Had to um, move to D.C. And just, just grind it out for the year. It was back-to-back-to-back, back-to-back. You know, you go from playing two games a week and that year, I think we had to get 60 games in in three months or like in four and a half months. So that was the hardest thing
1: for me. Uh so uh talking about that, you know, drafted the Wizards. Um and uh you ended up playing sixty four games that year, 42 percent uh, field goal percentage. Uh just talk us through that first year. How's how does that that adjustment overall and, and how was it that, that rookie year playing with the Wizards?
2: So it was it was tough. You know, I went from winning a lot, uh in college and all that and my rookie year we started off 0 and 18. <laughs> so that was a definitely a transition, and a lot of people wasn't mad. He was only eighteen. They, you know, it's kind of the players were used to losing. They getting millions of dollars, they didn't, they really, they didn't really care. You know, a lot of those guys didn't stay in the NBA after that. So it was a bad example for me starting off. But I had some great bets: uh, Rasheed, uh, Rashad Lewis, uh, Roger Mason. Those guys uh, kind of took care of me, had me on the right path, but then also had a relationship with John Wall. Uh, no, the former number one overall pick, and he was used to winning, so it kind of had us, uh, had us both up inside. But that, that rookie year was this, it was it was tough.
0: Yeah, the team ended up going twenty and forty six, and you had a coaching change as well that season, so I'm sure that shook a ton of stuff up. Let's talk about the next season with the Wizards, which I don't know exactly what happened but you ended up waived. Yeah, you ended up getting waived and then signed with um, the main Red Claws that season, I believe, correct? Yep, so I got cut
2: because the team was so young and John Wall got hurt at the beginning and they didn't think I was prepared enough to you know, to run the team, get them going in the right direction. So I got to learn the business part of basketball real early uh, in the NBA. You know, uh, somebody got to go and, and it was me.
0: So that's... Um AJ Price Gennaro Pargo was one of those guys signed to replace John Wall. Yes, I think they both were. I mean, like you said, it's the business end of it. You were a early second round draft pick the season before and um just were in the wrong place at the wrong time, I guess that season. but I mean, it didn't stop there. You did play in the G league that season, but then ended up playing six more seasons in the NBA and um what's you know, playing in the G league, especially someone who, I'm guessing throughout your entire high school career, you were the guy with the ball in your hands um, and the leader of that team. You immediately were thrust into that position at Butler as well. And then you went to Washington, didn't get that same opportunity. I'm sure that whole transition is just crazy to someone who has always had the ball in their hands. Um, But then, you know, you're learning, you get to go to the G League, get to work on your game a little bit more. And then did you know you were going to get another opportunity to make it to the NBA? or I mean, what were you thinking at that point? i just
2: try to get better. Um, I was fortunate enough when I got cut, my, I had a fully guaranteed contract. So, I, you know, early on with the G League, a lot of people kind of struggled because you were about, you know, financial reasons. So, with me being able to have that part cleared up, I was just able to go out there and play. You know, whether I played well or bad, I was just free. I was able to, you know, work on my game, get better at the things that, that um, that I need to get better at, but I always knew I have another opportunity. Um, you know the way I handle myself, the way the way I play, and I understand, and I understand my role. I understand at this level, there's guys that are better than me in this and that. Let me be. Let me just be great at what I do. And ultimately, that was just being a being a team player, knocking down the open shots, and, and just making sure you know I got everyone in the right position and being a point guard.
0: Yeah. So let's kind of just run through the next set of teams too. Um, so you ended up signing uh, a 10 day with Philadelphia that year, I believe went to Atlanta that season as well, got a long-term or at least a multi-year deal off of that stint with Atlanta, then went to Utah to team up with your former teammate, Gordon Hayward. Um, actually, let's stop and talk about that a little bit. What's that like? I mean, are you guys just so stoked? Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, it was a great opportunity. So that happened because Quinn Snyder was an um, assistant coach here in Atlanta when I was in Atlanta. So we built a relationship, and they needed a point guard at that time. I uh, think Trey Burks, my guy, hurt. And this is a great opportunity for me to come in and play right away and, and, and you know, get that chemistry, get Gordon back into his comfort zone and, and try to win some games. So it was definitely pumped to do that. Uh, you know, we got a lot of love. I enjoy playing with Gordon. You know, we never pictured we'd be on the same team in the NBA playing together coming in. No, freshmen freshman living in Ross Hall is is a it's a big transition.
1: Yeah, and um, after Utah, you, you know, you stay with them for three years or two years, sorry, and uh, then you move on to Orlando, and you you go into a you know a pretty pretty big role, nineteen minutes a game. Um, can you talk about just that little stint, these last few teams here? I know it's Orlando, Memphis, and uh, end with the Hornets, but just kind of talk about these last three and uh, how that process went at the end there.
2: Yeah, so um, Orlando and Memphis—they both needed like I was now considered uh, a old guy, like a veteran guy. So they both needed like veteran guys to come in and help with the you know young guys and play the right way, and be a pro. Whether that's showing up on time or getting extra, extra um, shots out, weightlifting, whatever. It's trying to change the culture of of Orlando at that time when I got there. Um, I was able to play for Frank, Coach Frank Vogel. You know, obviously he knew a lot about me being the head coach of the Pacers, being and. In, in, in Indianapolis. So that was kind of their relationship. I, I, did, I did well there, but um, finances and stuff was the reason I didn't do the second part of the year. So with that, I was able to transition to Memphis, which they had Mike Conley, um, another IU uh, Indiana guy. Yeah. They had him, but they needed someone who could come in and back him up. And you know, if he's out, they feel comfortable and safe that someone else can run the team. So that's how I ended up there, and you know, it was a great situation for me as well. You now I was playing well. I, I, th- I thought I did a good job. Uh, I enjoyed myself there playing with them. And then unfortunately, the business part of basketball kicked in. Um, Marcus saw wanted to get traded, and, um, and you know, requested a trade. So when he ultimately got traded to Toronto, they had to figure out the money to make it work, and my money matched up to make the whole deal work in a packet. So I ended up getting traded. Um traded to the Hawks, then cut, and I had three or four teams um, trying to figure out what they was going to do with their next move, and Charlotte, it's another guy, me and her have a lot of conversations, Ronald Nord, my roommate, was assistant coach at Charlotte, and uh, you know, kind of talked me into it, I feel like it was a great situation, went to All-Star break, came back, management had a different plan, they went to go to tanking method, so they kind of shut everyone down, and that's kind of how my NBA career ended, unfortunately.
0: I'm guessing you don't blame him, but honestly, how much blame goes on Ronald Norred? Maybe like 3%?
2: Uh, he he knows uh, a lot of it does. He knows that. It's, it's all good. It's just, it's just part of the game. I know he was doing it in the best. He had the best interest.
0: You played with Rashard Lewis, John Wall, Brad Beal, Drew Holiday, Al Horford, Devin Harris, Kyle Corver, Lou Williams, Josh Smith... Elton Brand, Paul Millsap, that last set of names was all Atlanta. Um, Gobert, Gordon, a couple times. Joe Johnson, George Hill, Vucevic in Orlando, um, Gasol, Mike Conley, uh, rookie Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis, Joe Kim Noah as well, I believe. Kimba and Tony Parker. Yeah. People forget he played for Charlotte, and you got to play at least one game with him, I saw.
2: Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, so he got shut. His career ended too there. Yeah. We all yeah. got shut down. Right yeah.
0: <laughs> Tough stop for those veteran point guards. If you had to, I know I'm springing this on you, but all-time starting five players you played with, if you're the coach, who would it be?
2: Um, uh, my friend, and I was saying, like, are you asking who I'm close with or are we trying to win a game?
0: Let's go talent, win a game. Yeah, win a game.
2: Point guard, I would go with um, John Wall. My two-guard, I'll play Gordon at the two, Joe Johnson at the three. I need a, I need a young Ellen Brand at the four. He got to be young, not, not the one I play with in, in Atlanta. <laughs> if it ain't Ellen, I'll go with Paul. And then at the five, I'll go with Mark, Mark Gasol.
0: Some notable names you left off, Tony Parker, Kimball Walker but uh yeah, See, yeah I, I guess i mean yeah, that's why it's confusing like i i didn't get to play
2: with the spurs tony parker
0: <laughs> that's, yeah that's, that's I yeah you've played with a lot of guys actually Kiefer sykes when you started your european career you ended up playing with him for one season um friend of the podcast Kiefer sykes we had him on recently but uh you transitioned to overseas basketball we, we'll keep this short too i don't want to take any more of your time but you transitioned to overseas basketball i mean you're going to new cultures uh, I think, are you married at this point? Yes, I am. So, I mean, you're moving your family overseas. What's that like? I mean, I don't know if you're speaking the language um, of the places you're going to. Just kind of walk us through that culture shock.
2: Um, it was definitely a culture shock. The teams I went to, I was fortunate to go to Olympi- um not Olympiakos, uh, uh, Milan, Armani, like on exchange. So, yeah. their coach was this in NBA Um he was with the Spurs, so he kind of understand how it is for American, you know, even him coming over here to America and vice versa. So he made it real easy and simple for me. Everyone on the team spoke English, so it wasn't really um, a, barrier. Uh, a barrier. I had my kids over as well. They went to the American International School. So a lot of things made it real easy. It's just difficult, you know, being away from family and friends. On Friday night, you can't just go hang out with your boy. You got to do it like this zoo. So that was the transition there, Jerusalem. You know, everyone in Israel pretty much speaks English, so that was um, easy. And uh, somehow, some way, a lot of people travel to Israel a lot, so I, I was able to see a lot more people. Majority, of everyone going to see the Western Wall in Jerusalem. So that was the the COVID hit. Then I went home. The following year, I signed in Greece later in the season because COVID was still going on. That was unbelievable. Well. Uh, me and my wife went there on our honeymoon, so I was familiar with how it, um, the city is and, and you know, the expectation of what's going on.
0: Yeah, that's neat. You played uh, with some guys that we – or some of our listeners may recognize too, like Zach August. I don't know if you guys ever overlapped there. I know the contracts are different in Europe. but Yeah,
2: I, I played with him. You know, he he trying to tell me about
0: Notre Dame basketball all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, come on, man. <laughs> um, and then Ben Bentle, who played – in uh, Fort Wayne for the Mad Ants for a little bit. Uh, Luis Scola as well, former Pacer.
2: Definitely played with, uh, with Luis in Milan. He you know, was one of the nicest guys I ever met.
0: That's cool. So, I mean, at least there are some guys who speak English that you're around. And um, like you said, I mean, seemed like it worked out for you pretty well. Um, but, okay, so what are you up to now? you Are um, are you, you know, trying to get another 10-day contract in the NBA next season? You know, they're just kind of throwing them out there at this point.
2: Uh, I was trying this year. and I didn't get one this year when 200 people got it. I don't think I'm going to get one next year. So, no, this year I was currently working as an analyst with CBS, you know, covering college basketball. That you know, was a great opportunity that came up and I, and I jumped on it. So each and every day, and you know, I'm working on it to get better at that. But trying to stay around the game of basketball as much as, as much as possible. And I think this is, the, you know, my next wave on me continue to do that.
0: Well, you're a college basketball legend. Um uh, definitely a legend in Indiana in this area. So um, you got all the support from us. And I'm sure if anyone watched basketball the past 15 years or maybe even 10 years, they know who you are um, and can recognize you in a crowd. So um, I know it's all going to work out and hopefully, I mean, we'll be rooting for you to get that next 10 day next year. If you end up trying to do it again, maybe the Pacers. Yeah, no, I know. Ronald Norridge there. You never know. He owes me a favor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: before we go, uh, I just want to say, you know, as being a Butler student, you know, we see those banners every, every game we go to the, the 2010, 2011 runner up. And I remember my freshman year, I came in, I was in orientation and my, the person leading it goes, you can thank all these renovations. You can thank Gordon Hayward, Shelvin Mack and uh, Matt Howard. He goes, you can thank those three people because they they put us on the map. So uh, you are, I promise your legacy is, we're still talking about you today for sure at Butler. So.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate it. Once you told me you didn't have to live in Ross Hall, that's just, that's just unbelievable right
0: <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, uh, we'll let you go. Thanks again for joining this episode of the All Pacers Pod. Um, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks.
2: Appreciate it. I got a question for y'all real quick, then I'm going to get out here. Who y'all looking for to Pacers in, in, in the
0: draft in an upcoming draft? Okay. I mean, how how much time you got? I got
2: five, I got five minutes, then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna start watching some of the the combine stuff.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I forgot to ask you too, um, who your goat is. We're, we keep track of this stuff. LeBron. Um, you're the first person to say LeBron. Le- LeBron's my my
2: my goat, man. The stuff he's able to do on and off the court, and um, he's one of those players. that have a he has an aura around him that makes everyone feels good. You can tell. know when you play against him. Uh, <clears throat> No, you ever got to go watch him play. Like, everyone who works for, say, when they're in Cleveland, for Cleveland feels like they're the best person in the world just because LeBron on their team. The ball boys are passing different. The, the security is different. It's just completely different. i never seen anyone have that kind of you no know, impact on their teammates and other people, as long as being very great at playing basketball.
0: Did you ever get to lock him up on defense? I might. I might he might miss a, a few
2: shots on me. I wouldn't say I locked him up, but <laughs> – I'm going to take the fat bad, bad route. Like he was close and, I, and he missed it. I played good defense.
0: You're not known as a dunker, but if you're driving on LeBron, is there just part of you? And I'm sure it's the same for everybody where you just want to dunk on him or do something spectacular. See me, if I tried that, I know I'm coming out the game.
2: So <laughs> it's either going to be a floater or I'm going to dribble around it and make sure you know, I make the right play.
0: I love it. Um, I hope to answer your question, I hope IU drafts Jaden Ivey. I don't know if he'll fall that far. Um, he, to me, seems like he seems like the, the most pro ready player right now. But, I mean, there's some other, like, I'm kind of intrigued by Shaden Sharp. I know he didn't play for UK this year, um, but kind of liking, you know, the potential there. We'll see. I'm just, I don't know if you know Keegan Murray at all. I'm kind of hoping we don't draft Keegan Murray. That's about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know the game. Yeah.
0: I mean, we you've seen the Pacers, obviously. The Miles Turner, Demonis Sabonis experiment never worked as much as they wanted it to. And I think we tried three years. And if we just get another big who's just going to clog the lane a little bit, I know that's not exactly Keegan Murray's game, but I don't know. I'm just going all guard. Let's go Tyrese Halliburton, build around him, and we can keep Miles Turner around too.
2: You no, know, want to know what you're thinking? Picking your brain. Um, I'm going to study it up a little bit more today and, uh, and go from here, man. Ho- hopefully you're right and, and get your wishes.
0: Oh, for sure. And uh, tell uh ronald norad too, let, like let him know what i just said hopefully that can influence the team a little bit
2: all right no definitely man nice talking to y'all man have a great day yep. you too you See too. You.
0: all right so thanks to shelvin Mack again i mean that was super rad i i'm gonna be honest i expected this to be a great interview there's no way i expected shelvin Mack to be this great of an interview though what are your thoughts tyler I mean, he was
1: he was incredible. I mean, just the fact that he gave us a breakdown of every single game from those two national championship runs, you can't ask for anything better than that. I mean, you never know what's going on in a player's head, and he gave us exactly what we wanted from those two runs. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, so Indiana legend, Shelvin Mack, shout out again. Um, and thanks for listening. If you're listening right now, I don't know if you're a Butler fan or a Pacer fan or what, But I know that you know the name Shelvin Mack if you're listening to this right now and you're a basketball fan. So this was a a blast for us and a total privilege as well. So let's wrap this podcast up, Tyler. You're going back to school at Butler this year. And it'll be, what, your third year in college at Butler? Yes. Any high hopes for the basketball team? Or do you think their national championship runs are over with?
1: I got to say, I've never felt more... Um, excited about Butler basketball than with Thad Mata. I can't, you know, I I can't do justice to Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens and Shelvin Mack, Gordon Hayward, they were, you know, the kings of that era. But That was
0: before you were a Butler yeah, fan. Yeah,
1: it was, it was. But now looking at the future and these young players, and I feel like there's people um, on the team right now that give off the kind of just win mindset that Shelvin Mack has.
0: And, I mean, I don't know if that'll translate into anything special for Butler, but, yeah, I, I, they can't be worse than last year, right?
1: A hundred percent. The last two years, really, let's be honest. It was, it's been a rough rough ride if you're a Butler fan, let me tell you.
0: Yeah, and your original favorite team, Louisville, wasn't much better last year either. No, it's
1: been a, it's been a rough year for rough couple years for me, guys, for college <laughs> basketball.
0: I'm not going to lie to you. I guess dating back to when did Louisville last won a championship? The 80s? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, the 80s. <laughs> so, awesome.
0: uh, anyway, yeah, Shelvin Mack. Great interview, ton of fun. If you want to keep hearing interviews like this, be sure to subscribe to All Indie Sports Network of podcasts. You're listening to it right now, but we have tons of interviews on the NBA show, The Playbook, hosted by Sal and his buddy Mark on Blue Buds Hoops. We interview college players all the time there. Um, Here, we've interviewed a ton of players and um, people in um, the NBA right now. I mean, Shelvin Mack had an eight-year career, which you heard on this interview, So, I mean, that was great perspective into the NBA a little bit, too. And I couldn't miss out on a Shelvin Mack interview. So, I was like, let's just put on the Pacers podcast. I don't want this to go anywhere else. So, I was a little selfish there. But, yeah, you can find great interviews all over. I mean, the Colts Corner guys, they're uh, getting in touch with Colts players right now. Actually, Antonio, the host of that, I think I told you this, Tyler, off the air. But Antonio, who hosts the Colts Corner podcast, was talking with Edron James's agent, I don't want to give any, like, I don't want to say for sure he's coming on or anything because when he was, so Edron James' agent's a female and Antonio was so nervous, I guess, in the moment that when he was going to say bye, um, he accidentally said, I love you to her. (laughs) (laughs) He said he doesn't know if she heard it um, because she didn't react in any crazy way. I would guess she noticed, I mean, even after she hung up the phone, I'm sure like, She's like, wait, did he just say, I love you? I think it'd be <laughs> so hard we'll not. Yeah, we'll we'll see if Edger James comes on, but um, kind of funny. So, uh, I mean, they're doing a great job over at Colt's Corner too. I'm really excited for where that podcast goes, but they'll have guests real soon. Um, But yeah, if you want to keep hearing stuff like this, be sure to subscribe and then leave us a five-star review while you're at it too. You can leave it on iTunes podcast platform or Spotify or really anywhere else you listen to podcasts. I was telling Tyler, you can ask Amazon Alexa to play all indie sports and they'll play the recent episode or google
1: yes i would like to say i tried google this morning it does work it plays all indie sports oh, okay. so i tried it this morning
0: yeah and you can listen on iHeartRadio too um to be honest i don't know why you would but if you're listening there hey shout out uh let me know and i'll, I'll quit bashing iHeartRadio. but yeah we're everywhere so be sure to leave us a five-star review and uh we'll just keep making a ton of great content but tyler next time we have a butler player on we'll bring you on but until then it was great having you on this episode. I
1: appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, guys. Peace out. <laughs> let it go. Rockin'
1: for three. He got it. Malcolm and the Pacers lead by two. Sabonis says, You want me, Joel Embiid? Come get it, because I'm going to give it to you. Are you kidding me? Sabonis brought it to him.